We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is one that I'm very interested in and excited about because we're going to go over the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack and kind of get into panic versus anxiety. So Lena, take it away. Yes. Um, I'm not even sure that there's a diagnosis called anxiety attack. I don't believe there is, but it's been a really helpful way in the mental health field to distinguish between somebody who has panic attacks or a panic disorder, which is diagnosable. And um, it's given us kind of an in-between place so that we don't have to label everything as panic when it, a panic attack when it isn't. So that's kind of an interesting thing to note. That is interesting. So there is a clinical diagnosis of anxiety, right? And there is a clinical diagnosis of a panic disorder, correct? But what you're saying is clinically in the DSM-5, there's not an anxiety attack. Correct. Oh, that is super interesting. Okay. Thank yes. you for that clarification. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. So let's first define anxiety. Okay. Anxiety is a situation in which we have heightened hypervigilance, which means that we're, are, we're very alert um, to our surroundings. And it's an overactivation of the drive for safety. And anxiety can be general anxiety, where we tend to just be very concerned about lots of things to the extent that it interferes with our daily lives or our daily activities, or it can be more specific anxiety, such as social anxiety, where we tend to show symptoms when, when we're facing or thinking about facing a social situation. So anxiety is a little bit broad, um, but it always involves a revved up nervous system and heightened um, concern for safety. That though happens on a subconscious level, the heightened concern. So a lot of people who have anxiety don't have any idea that they have anxiety. That makes so much sense because our nervous system is um, essentially, would you say it's our subconscious yes. response? Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. So when Bessel van der Kolk talks about how during trauma, the body keeps the score. Right. Um, I always imagine it's the nervous system, that polyvagal um yeah. Vagus nerve. Yeah. Vagus nerve. Thank you. The vagus nerve that's traveling from the brainstem down the nervous system. 
and it's, it's all autonomic and subconscious. Right. And so when we are revved up with anxiety, we don't necessarily realize it. We may tap our foot all the time. Right. Um, for me, I pull my hair, yes. um, literally, yep. um, for other people, it could just be constant stream of to-do list. Right. Um, or worries about what we said or what we didn't say, or I forgot this. So it or matters. what ifs. Yeah, what ifs. Oh, what ifs are huge. Right. Yeah. So it manifests differently in people. Right. Yes. And when people say they're about to have an anxiety attack or they had an anxiety attack, what if it's not a clinical diagnosis, what is an anxiety attack? I think it would probably depend on the person. And, and so in a, in a clinical setting, the clinician would want to ask questions about the symptoms in order to ascertain what exactly was happening. For me, an anxiety attack is a sense of panic that occurs in me where I become more and more agitated. And I have this really strong drive to escape whatever it is uh, whatever situation I'm in, but I don't know that I've ever had a panic attack. I've never thought I was going to die. I've never thought I was having a heart attack. I have had plenty of times when I was overwhelmed by anxiety, but I know that that's not a panic attack. So I, but right before we started recording this episode, I let you know that I wanted to talk about my own panic attack. And for our listeners, Lena, I had never told Lena this story because she was at college when it happened. Right. Um, and so I've had one panic attack and I will tell the listeners my experience and what it felt like and what happened. And then my experience with anxiety, because I think what I'm trying to do is help people understand, um, First of all, we're always trying to help people how to manage their symptomology and right. do whatever they can to reduce their nervous system dysregulation and mm -hmm. empower them to work through this as much as possible with or without other professionals. Right. So um, I was I was 19 and I had just come home from living in rehab and then a halfway house afterwards. And I had a what I would now identify as maybe a little agoraphobia. I didn't want to leave the house. I was I would follow my parents around the house all day long. I didn't want to be left alone. I was feeling really um, insecure, but not in a not in a vanity point. I mean, as a, I just didn't want to be alone. I felt really vulnerable. Well, can I point something out, Amy? Mm -hmm. It occurs to me that for the six months prior to you coming home, you were never alone. Right. I was always with other patients or with a therapist or in group therapy. I did walk in the halfway house. They had us um, work part time. Uh -huh. And so I would walk down to um, Lake Minnetonka and okay. I worked at a hair salon. And so I was alone for a teeny bit. Right. <laughs> but that's a good point. When you were indoors, though, you were never alone. 
No. I mean, didn't you even have a roommate that slept in the same room as you did in the halfway house? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's a great point. I That makes sense why I followed my parents around. As a mom now, though, I can imagine how hard that would have been for my parents. <laughs> I'm imagining my own child needing that much one-on-one as a 19-year-old. And that, that would be really difficult. However, as it may, I had an appointment with a doctor um, and it was across town. And at that point, our town still didn't have a lot of medical services. And so I had to go to another town. So it was like, I want to say a 45 minute drive. So I drove out there and I did the appointment and um, I walked out of the appointment with the doctor and I walked to my car and all of a sudden... I, it was like, I, it was like I had just ran a couple miles and I had done track in high school. And so I couldn't figure out why I was, I couldn't catch my breath. Yeah. Your heart was racing and your breathing had rapidly increased. Yes. Yes. And so what I want to tell the listeners is that for me, I had no, like it was, there was no way I would have been like, I'm having a panic attack. It was like, what's wrong? Why can I not breathe? It really was so disorienting and it it seemed to have come out of nowhere. And so I walked into, so I still couldn't catch my breath. I tried to, to get in my car and I just couldn't stop this shallow breathing. And so I walked into a restaurant that was um, where my car was parked in the same parking lot. And, um, I tried to talk to the the hostess and she she got me a glass of water and she kept saying what's wrong and I could not it could I couldn't stop it and the next thing I know I woke up and I was in the restaurant kitchen on the floor and she said that I had passed out and so um that to me was so it just seemed so random and it seemed to come out of nowhere um, whereas I experience anxiety as a real tightening of my chest. And usually I have a cognitive awareness of what's happening. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm agitated. I'm nervous. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here, whatever it is that's bothering me. Um, so for me, and I don't know how it is for other people, but the panic attack really caught me off guard. Yes, it, it almost always does. I- because the the nervous system and the subconscious brain is busy, 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 busy the whole time. And so I remember working early in my career with people who had panic disorder and figuring out that they really did not know what was, excuse me, they really did not know what was triggering the panic attack. And it was fascinating because what it helped me understand is that people who have panic disorder really are at the mercy of their nervous system. That would be very hard. Yeah. And I, you know, looking back now as a adult, I recognize that I had only started having flashback memories of my early abuse after I got sober. And so things, my mind and my body were allowing me to remember things that I was never allowed to know prior to that. 
that my brain and nervous system had locked away for my protection. Right. So it wasn't until I left the home and was in a, you know, quote unquote, safe place where my brain and nervous system were able to relax and those memories started to surface. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I guess my point is there is a difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack, but I'm not sure it matters. And what I mean by that is they're both very disruptive and they're both they're both clues that our nervous system is really dysregulated. Right. And when our nervous system is dysregulated, it is because we have not been able to um, adequately heal from different events or from different patterns in our childhood, like lack of attachment by a parent or, and so it's a, it's another clue into our healing journey that our body is not going to let us ignore it anymore. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. And one thing that I thought of as you were talking about that, um, be, uh, talking about, you're not sure that it matters the difference because it's both very disruptive. One thing that I have observed is that panic attacks come with overwhelming terror and anxiety attacks, at least what I have experienced and what some of my clients have described in the past is that there's not as much terror associated with it. And um, I would guess that panic attacks have a tremendously heightened um, nervous system response. And although, although anxiety has that as well, the, the terror of a panic attack, you truly believe you're going to die most of the time. Yeah. And when I'm having problems with my regulating my anxiety, I don't think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to throw up, but, but I don't think I'm going to die. So that's a really good distinction. Um, and of course, as always consult your medical doctor, consult your mental health professional. This is not, this podcast is not a diagnostic tool. It is informational to give you more clues and to kind of help you figure out what to do next on your journey. But, um, obviously a clinician could diagnose panic disorder, right? And there are ways to calm the nervous system medically. Um, but there are also ways to calm the nervous system somatically and that's something I'm really intrigued with. And that's something we've been working on in our program is um, teaching people to utilize the wisdom of their body and to lean in to the wisdom of their body in order to regulate the nervous system. And so like all healing, all healing it is multi-layered and complex and you can use pharmacology and you can use um you know, so quote unquote, natural remedies, but these are clinically effective somatic tools that are showing great results for both anxiety and panic in terms of regulating the nervous system. What else um, do you want to tell us about panic attacks versus anxiety attacks? 
One thing that I've observed when I've worked with teens in my um, private practice back in California is that sometimes parents misunderstand uh, a teenager's or a child's panic attacks as a bid for attention. And I think it's really important to clarify that there is no conscious volition. There's no will. There is no choice in whether or not you have a panic attack. And so if you have experienced panic attacks around people who tend to be dismissive or identify you as dramatic or doing it on purpose, I would really encourage you to learn a little bit more about how that is absolutely false. And it is something that your body and your nervous system is doing without your conscious will. And it's not your fault. Great point. Thank you. Yes. I mean, there's no way I could have stopped that train if I had wanted to. First, I didn't even know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even know what was happening. Yeah. Second of all, my body stopped it. Right. Um, You know, and so I really appreciate that. And I think that's such a valuable comment for anyone with loved ones who has panic disorder Mm -hmm. and anxiety disorder that's leading to these pronounced um, incidences where they're having chest pain, where they're not able to regulate. So what is one, um, I'm thinking of the physiological sigh, which right. we use a lot, but I think that is so effective when I'm feeling anxious. It, it's brilliant. And it's so quick. It is. And so mm-hmm. the physiological sigh is also sometimes called the double breath sigh. And, um, it is two breaths in through your nose in succession without exhaling and then an exhale through your mouth. So it would go like this. And you're trying to fill up your lungs as much as possible on that inhale. And on that second inhale, you're actually inflating some of the sacs in the lower lungs And it's offloading, if I'm remembering, it's offloading carbon dioxide. Does that sound right? That sounds possible. Yeah, in a very efficient way, which is giving you more blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. Remember, that's your executive function. And it's able to help then calm your nervous system. And it is effective. It's wildly effective. And I find, Amy, that when I do an exhale, if I exhale as if I'm sighing, So when I sigh, it's usually like, and so there's a forceful exhalation at the beginning that that is one way to get all of the breath out of my body. Once I have taken in that double breath and it, it leads to less problems with hyperventilation. That is one thing that I have grown up doing is hyperventilating. And um, the double breath sigh is brilliant for that. I would like to point out, though, that when you're in the middle of a panic attack, you are actually operating out of your most basic part of your brain and you are not able to connect with um, the part of your brain that contains memories of tools. And so it can be very helpful to have somebody co-regulate you. It is often not possible but if somebody can say to you, look, look, look at my eyes, follow my breathing, put your feet on the floor, um, 
it, it, it encourage you to have some kind of different tactile experiences. Put your hand on the couch. What do you feel in the texture? All of these things are things that will um, help to bring the body back into the present. That is a really, really important point. So that when we are cut off, even from our tools that we've worked so hard to, to figure out that we have someone near us and co-regulation is critical. We're going to do a whole episode on mirror neurons and co-regulation, but being around someone else who your nervous system can regulate with and calm itself because of their calm nervous system is really, really an effective tool as well. Yep. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at MendingTrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.